Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Our whole focus has been for you to be, this isn't, about a, this isn't a marriage series, this isn't really zeroed into any one particular type of relationship, it's all relationships because relationships are God created, they're God ordained, they're things that are, they shouldn't be accidental, they're not things that we're just doing life and we just kind of deal with whatever comes. God desires you to have uh, powerful, healthy relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's maximizing your crazy family, whether, you know, even your crazy uncle, whether it's your work relationships, you're not just kind of putting your head down and punching in and punching out. God puts you there for a reason. You can have great work relationships. And yes, having, being able to date in a way that honors God and sets you up for an amazing marriage and having a marriage that is going to thrive and stand the test of time, gonna make it through the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs. It's all about having healthy relationships. And so we've had one, one scripture in particular that has been one of the theme scriptures for us comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And, uh, and I'm having a hard time getting, there we are. Matthew 6, 33. And it says, seek, this, these are the words of Jesus. In my Bible, they're red letters. Red letters in the gospels always tell us this was Jesus talking. And he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. We've been talking about this verse in the context of our relationships, obviously, that's what we've been talking about, that when you're, when you, uh, when you pursue relationships out of what you're trying to get for yourself and you're putting yourself first, whether intentionally or unintentionally, usually it ends up creating an adverse result within yourself or within your relationship. So what Jesus is challenging us to in our relationships is not to seek ourselves first or not even to go after our own interests first, but to put the kingdom of God, the perspective of who God is and what he wants to do in your life, the fact that he loves you, uh, his, like we were singing today, he wants to uh, wrap his grace around you. And uh, the word grace, it's a Bible word that means that you're getting from God the love that you don't deserve, but he's given it to you anyway because he loves you. Isn't that cool? Like God, you're getting what you don't deserve. There's another word that's on the, on the flip side of that, mercy. So you got the grace of God, you got the mercy of God. So the grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is getting what you, or is not getting what you do deserve. And so I'll speak for myself. I know there's plenty of stuff in my life that I, I deserve not the favor of God, but he gives me his favor. And there are things that I do deserve. And he's like, you know what, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I'm not even gonna see you in that light anymore. I'm gonna see you forgiven. I'm gonna see you with the chains off. I'm gonna see you whole. And I'm grateful for that. So, uh, so Matthew 6, 33, we're seeking the kingdom of God first in our relationships because we wanna be intentional about who we do life with and how we do life with them so that we can be the best, not just the best version of us, the best version of who God is putting us together with, whether that's friends, family, or whether that's getting married. And so there's another one. All right, if you're, if you're, if you're fast with me this morning, I'm gonna get to this one too. Uh, James chapter four, see if I can get there fast too. It's like a sword drill. And if y'all grow up like doing kids stuff in church and they played this game, sword drill, Anybody? If, if you know it's okay, we're like, you'd have your Bible, usually a little smaller than this one, and the, the teacher would give you a verse, and then they say go, and then you have to like find it, and whoever finds it first. And there was always that one kid that showed up with those tabs cut, in, cut into the side that like had the name of the books. 
That's cheating. You can't do that. All right. James chapter 4 and uh, 7 and 8. And so in uh, James 4, 7 and 8, it, it says this. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Isn't that powerful? Just this beautiful picture of the fact that, that we have the ability to come close to God and God is constantly coming closer to those who are coming close to him. That's not the same thing as God's gonna help those who help themselves. No, God never forces himself on people. That's, a, that's actually a good thing. He doesn't force himself on people. He doesn't force relationship, but he comes close to those who are seeking after him as well. And for those that are far from God, guess what? God is still there. He's still present. He's not distant off. He's still there with his grace and his love, trying to capture people by that grace and love and pull them in and draw them in in any way he can. But God wants us to choose relationship with him in Jesus' name, amen. Father, help our hearts and our minds to be open today. God, we want to receive from you. We don't have it all figured out yet. And uh, we're grateful for your word to teach us. We're grateful for your Holy Spirit that confirms your word. And God, we ask that you would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you here have perfect relationships? Good. I'm glad nobody raised it. My wife did, but she didn't, you didn't see that. That's just with me. We have a perfect relationship. No, it's not true. Everyone has in some way, shape, or form relationships that, yeah, we could work on this or we can improve that or, or maybe even on an extreme side, there's stuff in your life where like things are, they're kind of falling apart. Things are in shambles and, and maybe you know what to do, but you don't know how to start. Or maybe you don't know what to do. You don't even know what the first step would be and how to restore that. But, but the th I think the thing is no one wakes up every day and says, you know what, man, I just wish I had bad relationships. Man, if I could just have one dream come true, I just want all my relationships to be bad. If I, if I, even if I can intensify it, kind of, we'll, we'll calm it down here in a little bit, but if I can intensify it a little bit just to kind of set the stage, you know, nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what, I just, I want to be a hardcore porn addict and I want to ruin all of my other relationships because of that. No one wakes up that way. Uh, when Karen and I got married, we didn't say, you know what, we just can't wait to, uh, to buy so many things that we can't afford, but we have it all, and eventually uh, we can't pay for what we have, and our, our marriage uh, ends up, you know, existing in strife because we're constantly in debt, can't manage our money. Nobody says that, but so many people end up in those positions. Nobody gets up one day and says, man, I, I just, uh, you know, I think I just want to uh, try to create some distance between me and the people that I love. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's by choice. Maybe it's because I focus on my work. Maybe it's because I'm focused on the kids. Maybe it's because I'm focused on my own stuff. And, and eventually I will wake up one day and, and uh, for, for my spouse, we won't even really recognize each other. We'll just feel like, you know, we've been doing life together. We're strangers living in the same house and we're wondering how and why we're still married. Nobody does that on, intentionally, but so many people end up in that spot. And that's because we have to realize something this morning, that if God is real, and so is the enemy. We have to realize that what God loves, the enemy of God hates. And guess what? If God loves you, that means that the enemy of God doesn't like you so much. He hates you. And it's not because of anything that you did. It's because of who you are. It's because of who you're connected to. Relationships, this has been all about you, again, building those solid relationships. If you remember all the way, this is week four. If you remember all the way back to week one, if you were here, we spent that whole time talking about building a foundation that you will be able to have every type of healthy relationship on. And that foundation is living a Christ-centered life. I gave you three very simple uh, kind of keys to, to living a Christ-centered life. The first one is having a daily faith-filled relationship with Jesus where you recognize that he is 
is God, your Lord, your Savior, and he's your friend. You have to realize that every single day. The second one is, I have an unshakable belief in the word of God and a daily pursuit to actually walk that thing out. Daily pursuit to walk it out. It's not, it's not one thing to say, yeah, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the word of God. Okay, cool. What does it say? Well, you know, you know I, it says a lot of things. You know, I don't, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what does it say? We got if we don't, if we don't know the word of God, we won't be able to stand on the word of God. If we don't get in the word of God, we won't be able to, to live what the word of God says. If we don't devour this in our life on a daily basis and a consistent basis, we won't have this weapon inside of us to stand on when we need to stand on it. And then the last one, number three, a realization that your life is created by God with specific purpose. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you'll recognize this statement. Your purpose must guide your relationships or your relationships can guide you away from your purpose. It's so powerful and it's so true. We're not gonna do accidental relationships. We're gonna be intentional about who we're putting around us. We're gonna be intentional about putting, allowing our Christ-centered life to infuse the other relationships that God puts around us. So help me out today. If you're taking notes, and you should be, we always encourage people to take notes, whether it's in a journal or on your phone. And uh, because what we talk about on a Sunday is something that Monday through Saturday you can put into practice. You can see growth in your life. You can see victory in your life. And so, but I need you to help me out with today's title. I want you to look at somebody next to you, make eye contact. I won't make you hold it too long, but make eye contact and look at them and say, devil, not today. I mean, you're not calling them the devil. I can see how, I can see how that. Some things you don't think through all the way. It's okay. But that's our message today. Devil, not today. If you like subtitles, you can write, that, write this down, devil-crushing relationships. Devil-crushing relationships. And now I'll, I'll give a little uh, precursor before we get into this too much. Um, I know there's different schools of thought. Some people, all they ever talk about is the devil. The devil this, the devil that, the devil made me do it. The devil's out to get me. The devil's hurting me. The devil's under every rock. The devil's in every shadow. The devil's behind that corner, and they live in fear. And then there's the other side, the other extreme that says, I don't even care if the devil exists. I don't even think he's real because I'm so powerful and God's so great in me. It's like the devil doesn't even exist. I'm like, okay, let's, let's back off from that one step and realize, yes, God doesn't live inside of you. Uh, God is real. God's powerful. The devil cannot compete with the power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Come on. If you are a Jesus follower, is alive inside of you. And so, yes, you have nothing to fear, but to be ignorant and ignore the enemy is to be ignorant of what's happening in the world around you. So we have to be aware of it. We just don't live in fear of it. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Paul actually says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And so, yeah. We have to admit and be aware of the fact that there is a battle going on for the relationships in your life. There's a battle taking place. You don't have to be afraid of it, but you sure as heck better be aware of it. Because if you're not aware of it, then you're basically saying, I don't, I don't need to put on the armor of God because I got the spirit of God. Well, that's on the inside. Guess what? There's arrows coming from the outside. There's attack coming from the outside. They may not be able to destroy what's on the inside of you, but they can get to you from coming what's on the outside of you because your relationships are actually bigger than just you. 
It's not just about your health. It's not just about your safety. It's not just about your healthy relationships from you out. It's also about the people around you that you love. It's also about the people that are engaged in relationship with you that God wants you to be doing warfare for them as well. I love the fact I have people that will text me and care all the time. Hey, we're praying for you guys. Hey, we, we love you guys. Hey, we're, tell your team we're praying for your team. Like we're, our church today prayed for your church. Like I can't tell you, like that makes me, that gets me fired up. It gets me pumped up because I know that there are people that have my back. I know that there are people that are believing for and pushing for and speaking life into the same things that I'm doing. And that encourages me. Because I know that even though I may have, you know, put on the full armor of God and I'm ready to go, you know, every warrior will have their moment where they get hit with something because they didn't see it. And so that's why when armies go into battle, they don't go in one person at a time. They go in with, with throngs, with legions, with companies. They go in together. They have each other's side. They have each other's back. But they're, guess what? They're going in the same direction. Nobody can have your back who's going in an opposite direction of where you're going in life. Last week we talked about the difference between being uh, equally yoked relationships and unequally yoked relationships. And, and not to rehash that, but our, our main point of that is that you can't go in the same direction that God is calling you to go if you're linked arm in arm with somebody who's going in the opposite direction. Or even going off to the side. You won't be able to go into a straight line. God wants to surround you with people that are going to... Uh, compliment what God is doing in your life. Amen? And guess what? You deserve it. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. You deserve it. You need to not, be, well, because of my background, because of my past, I'm just lucky to have what I have. No. You're a child of God. Like, God loves you. Your, your purpose is not destroyed because you made a mistake. God is a restorer of all things. He, he doesn't just fix and duct tape what we broke. He makes it new. And so hang on to that this morning. So, all right, so we have an enemy all right, let's just go ahead and throw it out there. He's out to get us. He wants to, you know, uh, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not a complicated format, but it's consistent. And so can you imagine right now, you've got, you've got the, the father of lies, come on, the prince of darkness, all the demons in hell, they're scheming against you. They're looking for your weaknesses. They're looking for your insecurities. And they want to get in there so that they can disrupt and destroy what God is trying to build inside of you. So you've got to remember, whatever God blesses, the devil curses. And whatever God loves, the devil hates and the devil attacks. And so if you find yourself in a relationship, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're afraid, maybe you're resentful towards your spouse or towards your neighbor or your friend or your coworker or your crazy uncle or whatever's going on, you need to realize that that person is not your enemy. We have to remember that. It's, it's political season. Ain't nothing we can do about it. It's happening. And the, the crux of everything the media wants to push on us is that we're, we're separate, we're enemies, we're against each other, and we can't allow that to creep into our lives because the reality is that's not true. We can disagree, but that doesn't make us enemies. We can have different belief systems, that doesn't mean that we hate each other. We can, you know, that's, and that's just the nature of the enemy trying to get in and break up and disrupt relationships. But we have to realize that our fight is against spiritual forces in this dark world that are scheming against you. So imagine for one second, say you're at home, say somebody invented this really cool app where uh, it would alert you when somebody was going to come after you. Let's say you have this app, you download, and the alert goes off, say, hey, just want to let you know that at this time on this day, 
The enemy's coming. He's coming for your house. He wants to destroy everything. What are you going to do? You may even be the most like tree-hugging, peace-loving, uh, you know, never want any conflict. But guess what you're going to do? You're going to get ready, aren't you? You're going to be alert. You're going to get a security system. You're going to get one of those, what's it called, the ring. You're going to get the ring thing on your front door so that you got the app and you can like press the, the button that makes them run away. You can talk to them. I guess having a conversation with people that are trying to break into your house, that's a thing now. You want to talk to them about, hey, why do you want to break into my house? I think you're making some poor decisions with your life. You should, please stop, stop, press the button, burn, and then they run away. I don't know why we're having conversations, but it's happening. But you would be so ridiculously on guard that like, you know, even if, even if you never wanted to hurt, you know, if you stepped on an eight, you feel bad about yourself. You're looking for something in your house that you can fashion as some type of, whether it's, you know, whatever your theology is on weapons, whether it's to shoot, stab, smack, hit, uh, I don't even know. But you're going to be ready. You're going to be on guard. And, uh, but th- here's the thing. This isn't about living in fear. This is about being aware and being alert. As we talked about, you don't have to be afraid of the enemy when you know you have the spirit of God alive inside of you, but you can't sleep on the enemy. Christians who sleep on the enemy are the ones, guess what, this is shocking, that get snuck up on. They're the ones that they didn't see it coming. They didn't see it coming because they didn't allow themselves to be alert and be aware. You have to be on guard. So Peter, this is one of Jesus, uh, one of his closest disciples and followers. He says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, 8 and 9, it says, be well balanced and alert. Why? Because the enemy or your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking to, uh, for prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. I love that picture. Be well balanced. They teach you this in sports. Like, you know, if you're, if you're a lineman, don't be leaning forward in your three-point stance because they'll just pull you down. And don't be leaning backwards. They'll push you back. you got to have your center of gravity balanced. So no matter where the enemy comes from, you're not going to get pushed forward. You're not going to get pushed back. You'll be able to stand. But don't just be well balanced, but always be alert because the enemy, he's roaming. He's roaming around. And guess what? If he, if he comes at you in one direction and he fails, he doesn't just tuck his tail and go home. And, well, I'm just going to give up on that person because they got stuff figured out. No. He's going to go back. He's going to regroup. He's going to look for a different angle. And he's going to want to come in at that different angle. We all have imperfections. We all have, you know, uh, flaws in our armor, so to speak. But we got to realize that if we stay alert and we realize who we are and whose we are, And if we have the people around us, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our friends, whether it's our church, whether it's your crew that are going to encourage you and stand with you, there are things that they will be able to see for you that you can't see for yourself. That's why we say so hardcore all the time, don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. There is no quicker way to fail than to put yourself in a position where you're doing life alone. We got to up our game when it comes to this and realize that our insecurities the biggest thing that usually our insecurities keep us away from is relationships. Because you can't really get away from yourself, can you? As much as we might want to try. <laughs> we can't get away from ourselves, but we can get away from other people. We can isolate ourselves. We can, well, I don't want to, you know, I'm just insecure about this. I'm afraid if I put myself in this position, I've been hurt before. And uh, I know it's probably going to happen again. So I'm just, I'd rather kind of do my, I'm all right. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But we know that that's just not the case. So real quick, here, here we go. Here's two, two areas where, 
the devil consistently attacks. And again, this isn't just a message on the devil today. This is about being wise, right? Come on. This is about being alert. This is about being aware. And then we can take that knowledge, put faith, the faith of God and the word of God in our hearts and come at the devil. But instead of him coming at us, guess what? Why don't we take the fight to him and let him, before he even has a chance to group up and come up against you, that you're taking the fight into his territory and letting him know, hey, guess what? You lost. You're a loser. You're going to continue to lose. Uh, you may have got me that one time in that one place and that, you know, I know, but I'm not done. I'm not dead. I'm getting back up. I got people around me. I'm moving forward. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You knock me down once, but I'm more than a conqueror, so I'm getting back up again. Come on, the Bible doesn't say that righteous people are perfect. It says when they fall, they get back up again. They get back up again. So the devil attacks through distraction and through seduction. The devil attacks through distraction and seduction. Now, if if you look back in, you know, the book of Genesis, the beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve. If, uh, if it was Eve in the Garden of Eden being distracted by a serpent who says, hey, you know, uh, don't, you, don't you want this, this lovely apple? Don't you think this is good to eat? You know, whether it's King Solomon who, who loves God, but he's distracted when he's trying to please people. And instead of pleasing the heart of God, it fits Judas. I mean, Judas walked with Jesus in the flesh. You got to think that that probably would have had some benefit to it when it came to your relationship with God. You're, you can touch him. Like he's right there. You can pull in his beard. That's Jesus. But even Judas, who walked with Jesus, is distracted by the love of money instead of the love of the Savior. Satan attacks with distraction. There's this little interaction in, in the Old Testament with a, a guy's name. It's King Solomon. He was the son of King David. If you look at the history of Israel, there's this, there's this little bitty book, Song of Solomon, Song of Songs. If you're under 18, I, don't, I highly suggest waiting to read this book. It's a kind of a romantic poetry type of situation going on. And uh, some of the things where, you know, you're like, oh, whoa, okay, that's in the Bible. All right, that's great. And uh, they're talking about things. There's this one part where, you know, Solomon's uh, talking to uh, a woman that he's pursuing, wants to marry, and, and he's, he's describing her and he's saying some things like, a girl, um, your hair, your hair is like, uh, like goats, like, like fur of goats. And you're just like, okay, that's, that's a horrible, horrible compliment. Your neck is like the tower of David. I was like, I don't even know what this means. Uh, one time, hey, when I was a freshman in high school one time, uh, it was a part of a semester where they were doing like poetry and, and like using metaphors and similes. And so you actually had, it apparently it scarred me because I remember like I'm sitting, I can see myself sitting in the classroom. I was not uh, a very uh, brave, outspoken person my freshman year in high school. But you still, you had to write a poem and it had to, it had to be romantic in nature and because that's what they were doing. And then you had to read it out loud, which, why, why, why would they? I think, I think of your class and when they got up and did the poem, I mean, they crushed it. I couldn't have done it. And so I began to read mine and I th I'm pretty sure my, this was my first line. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and again, for my wife, this was not for anybody. This was just an assignment for class. I was not thinking of anybody. I was like, you know, your smell is like, and then she, the teacher stopped me. She just started laughing. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, first of all, never, ever tell a girl, no matter how you finish that sentence, your smell is like. That is not good. Anyway, that had nothing to do with any of this. I just had a flashback. But anyway, so, so Solomon's saying all this stuff to his girl. But then all of a sudden, like, the tone, the tone changes. Like, he, all of a sudden, he gets from, like, being kind of crazy and descriptive and romantic and, and slightly, I feel like I shouldn't be reading this letter. All of a sudden, it kind of gets serious. And, he's, and, he, and he says to, to his girl, he's like, hey, and, and go and, get, you know, gather and round up all the foxes in our vineyard. And you're like, what the heck does that have to do? 
Like, what, what are you talking about? So here's, but here's the deal. Yes, there was some metaphor in what he was talking about, but this is why he was talking about the foxes in the vineyard. Because what foxes do when they would go into a vineyard is they would eat all of the blooms off of the vineyard, off of the plant, so that there would be no grape, there would be no harvest. And so he's telling her, he's like, hey, it's the little things in our relationship that we got to deal with. It's not the big things. Like, you know, sometimes we get focused on like, well, we just need to avoid the big things. No, if you, if you avoid the little things, there will be no harvest of a healthy relationship. Because the enemy is going to come in and he's going to devour the little things here. And, and maybe the little thing is, is, uh, is, 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 you know, just like the way that you interact. If you're married, maybe it's, maybe it's these little, you know, stupid nitpicky things. Like, you know, I don't like the way you chew. Or, you know, we talked about this before. Why would you, the toilet paper goes over the top. It just does. Why would you put it so it goes under, you know, I don't, you know the way that you drive, I just can't stand. The, you know, little things. One time my wife told me, she's like, I don't like the way that you breathe. Just recently. Kind of, it was kind of like that. I was like, oh, how nitpicky is that? I'll just, I'll just stop breathing. How about that? Apparently I had headphones on and was concentrating and sounded, I was breathing like a camel in heat or something like that. I don't know what was happening. But it's, it's little things. It's not the big things usually that knock us out. Guess what? No one's going to leave church today and think to themselves, man, I could just go kill somebody right now. At least I would hope not. We might have, we might just stop what we're doing right now and have some prayer time. But like, it's, it's, it's not the big things that knock us out. It's ignoring the little things. Because eventually the little things could be like, you know, we're in a marriage, for example. Like the little things could be, um, you know, we're just, we're spending too much. We're spending too much. Uh, we, but, you know, you look at your finances, you don't have a plan, you don't communicate, uh, you're, not, you're not talking about money, you're not saving, you're not budgeting, and then all of a sudden one day you get to a situation where you're drowning in debt and you're getting letters from collection, you're getting letters from the IRS, and you don't know what to do. That's a big thing, but it didn't start off as a big thing. Distraction gets us off in the little things until eventually something big happens, but it never happens, big thing first. The bottom line is that the devil knows where you're vulnerable. And if we're honest with ourselves, we need to put ourselves in the position of saying, okay, the people that are close in my life, whether it's your spouse or a close friend or whoever it may be, identify where you're vulnerable and then be wise about it. Because when you know where the enemy is going to attack, guess what? You're going to face that, that direction, aren't you? You're going to position yourself where you know the attack is coming, so you're ready for it. And so when it comes, you can stand strong against it. But when you're not aware of where you're vulnerable, maybe you got friends in your life that tell you the truth, but you don't like what they have to say, and so you shut them out. You're like, man, you need to, you need to really. So let's, let's kind of take a little bit deeper. If, it, if the enemy attacks through distraction, the enemy also is going to attack through seduction. Did you know that uh, came across this article, 60% of divorces reference pornography as a contributing factor to the divorce? As a contributing factor. Now, there's an even worse one. The number's lower, but I think the reality is worse. 50%, there's, each year there's roughly 500,000 divorces in our country. Out of those 500,000, 50% of them cite pornography as the reason why they got divorced. Not just as a factor, but as a reason. So the enemy is coming through seduction to also steal and kill and destroy. And again, if he knows your weaknesses and he knows where it's coming after, my question to you would be, what is, it, what is your relational health and your purpose worth? What are you willing to do or even give up so that you can position yourself in a way to live the life that God created you to live? You know, nobody wakes up. I mean, let me, let me play a little, little, little game with you. 
and ask you a situation and a question, you know, because I feel like we're kind of in a, in a cultural situation where the definition of purity and morality has, has really been dropped and, and whether it's people's awareness of it or just people's acceptance of certain things. Now, if, 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 uh, if I were to tell you that some guy was, was gonna go out and, uh, and cheat on his wife and have a raging hot relationship with somebody that he met online, would you say that that's, that's probably not a good thing? Wow, y'all scared me on that one for a second. I was like, man, we're gonna have to pause. We're gonna have to go a little bit deeper on this one right now. Now check this out, Ephesians 5.3. It says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust, or greed, for you are his holy ones. Let no one be able to accuse you of them in any form. Another translation, it says, so that there isn't even a hint of sexual immorality. So somebody say, not even a hint. Not even a hint. That doesn't mean that you are close to it. That means that you're not even close to it. Now, if I got up on this stage, and I, well, we do have a line. You just can't see. There's a divider between these two things. If on one side of this, somebody put down a big rattlesnake, and the snake can't come across this line, and you're on that side, if you're on this side of the line, what are you going to do? You're not, well, some of y'all might, but you're not going to like want to see how close can I get to this rattlesnake before its venom is you know, thrust into my, my calf muscle. You're going to be like, no, I'm good. I'm out. I'm going as far over here as I can because I don't want to put myself in a position to where I'm going to be compromised by what is on the other side of this. Because what is immorality? Immorality isn't some weird religious standard to keep people from having a good time. We talked about last week how God creates boundaries not to withhold from you, but to set you up for success. And so immorality basically just means poison. It means, it means taking something that is pure and pouring something into it that will contaminate what was pure. And so we need to stop living a life where we're trying to get how far can I go? How far is too far? How close to the line can I get? Why don't we distance ourselves from what we know is probably going to be a weak spot for us anyway and do what it takes to be healthy. Do what it takes to have healthy relationships. Next week I'll cheerlead more and I'll make everybody feel more happy about life and and, uh, but we, I just feel like if we're going to have these relationships, this isn't just about you having healthy relationships. This is about you being who God created you to be so that we can have the impact in our world that God put us here to have. But if we walk around and be like, I'm with Jesus, I'm with Jesus, I'm with Jesus, but we are the most broken of all the world, then what are they going to want from us that they don't already have? They're like, why do I, if you're a Jesus follower, then why do I want to be like you? Your, your world is more messed up than mine is. And being a Jesus follower doesn't make us more perfect, but it puts us in a position to be with the one who can transform who we were into what we were created to be. And so you got to stop living in that world of brokenness. I'm just broken. I'm just, I'm just a sinner. All this, this whole mentality that your identity is wrapped up in your brokenness has got to go. I'm an alcoholic forever. No, you're not. You're, you can be freed. You can be, I'm just going to be a porn addict for the rest of my life. No, no, you're not. No, I'm just, I'm just broken. That's just who I am. I'm, 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 you know, you list off, this is what I am. This is what I am. This is what I am. And I just want to say, like, in the name of Jesus, break that off. Stop identifying yourself as something that God did not create you to be. And we, we get that fed into us all the time. This is your identity. This is your identity. You're, you're a victim. Your victimhood is your identity. You're a victim. You're not responsible for any of this because it's been forced on you. And yes, there are moments where that has happened, but don't become a victim for life. Become someone who was victimized, but now you're free. And you can walk in that freedom. Oh, man. We're not going to finish this, but that's okay. I think we said what we need to say today. Does anybody get anything out of this whatsoever? I'm going to give you one more scripture, and then we're going to wrap, then I'm going to be done. That's like my third closing. I don't even know. All right, 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 
it paints this picture of, you know, when you're living your life, like there are things that you want to pursue. Like if you don't pursue anything, then you don't accomplish anything. And so the same thing is true when it comes to our purity, when it comes to our relationships. Like God wants you to pursue certain things because when you pursue what he lays out in front of you, it will lead you to the things that he wants to provide for your life. So 2 Timothy, Timothy was uh, a disciple of uh, the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> a younger guy that had some, some pretty uh, big church leadership responsibility on him at a young age, which was not common at the time. So Paul was always writing to him and trying to encourage him and strengthen him. And in 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, Paul's talking to him, he goes, run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lust of youth. But he doesn't just stop there. It's not, you're not just spending your life running away from something. He says, and chase after that which is pure. So that kind of gives you, again, we've, we've before we've used that word repentance. And that like, you know, a lot of people have kind of stolen that word. And it's kind of like this weird religious word now where you just kind of, at least I do, I visualize angry people on the street corner with the billboard sign saying Turner Burn. You know, and, and God's like, man, it was a beautiful word until they stole it. I want to kind of take it back. Repentance just means this is the direction that I'm headed with my life. It's not working out. I'm failing. I'm broken. All these relationships, they keep getting worse and worse and worse. And you encounter the love and grace of God in some way, shape, or form. Maybe at church. Maybe online. Maybe a friend that helps you. Maybe God just shows you something in the Bible and it sparks your heart. And you decide to give your life to him. You repent. This is what repentance means. You're turning your back on where you were headed. And now you are moving in a different direction, not on your own, but on a direction that's following Jesus. And so this is the exact same thing. You're doing this, like, without Jesus, you're just living wild, you're going crazy, you're doing what you do and everything everyone else is doing. And you encounter God, you realize, wow, this is not working out. And it says, run from where you were. Run from the youthful lust. But you're not just running away scared. You're running with purpose towards purity for what God put inside of you. And so that, what's cool about that is it doesn't matter how far this way you went. It doesn't matter how broken, doesn't matter what's your past, doesn't matter how jacked up you are, all you got to do is make this move and begin to pursue this way. And you're right there with anybody else, regardless of your background and regardless of your story. Okay, I want to pray for you. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.